This is two and a mic, just me on my own on this occasion. I didn't want too much time to pass between podcasts, so I just have a few thoughts on discrimination or perhaps even anti-discrimination. Um, um, allow me to be idealistic for a moment and say that there should not be a need for anti-discrimination because to discriminate is in itself an action of choice, a decision that has been taken, in my opinion, beyond the natural requirements of existing or even coexisting. Observing differences and diversity is a natural part of the logical mind. We seek to understand, to characterize, categorize the world around us. However, to then upon that categorization and characterization, to make efforts to reduce, to devalue, to denigrate, to restrict certain characters on the basis of their nature is a series of extra actions which require forethought, planning and execution. No society comes to discriminate naturally. It, it's not uh, an, an element within a growing community which perhaps um, bursts forth without a certain kind of thought structure or belief structure to have been in place beforehand. On the other hand, anti-discrimination is the most natural reaction to discrimination because it follows the need to pursue survival instinct. Discrimination does not address a real threat, only a perceived and falsified threat to some supposed superiority, a power structure within the community, or the status quo of some part of that community. Anti-discrimination, quite clearly, is in many cases a defensive position on the basis of securing survival for the group that has been victimized. There is also this prevailing counter-wisdom that inward migration in some way destroys or dilutes or significantly alters indigenous cultures. And the reason why I introduced this at this point is because um, in many cases, discrimination is most rife where you find large influxes of people from different parts of the world or different parts of the country even in some cases. Or there is perhaps uh, an observable... Um, difference within the constitution of a certain community, perhaps an over um, overbalance or over imbalance, as it were, uh, of a certain category which has suddenly emerged, uh, and therefore it is perceived within a certain locality as a sort of threat. So, this being the case, um, when such cultures are encountered, when there is such movement, um, we tend to somehow manage to ignore or 
uh, misunderstand the nature of culture. Culture is a living, breathing, natural element of any community. Uh, it changes, it grows, it evolves on a daily basis. Every time someone from within an existing culture writes a poem or a song, that culture has benefited and it has evolved. When external influences are introduced into a culture, that culture has grown or expanded because it now consists of flavors that hitherto had not been included. There is something more greater to appreciate as a result. This has happened throughout human history, and regardless of discriminatory or intolerant groups, it will always occur. And if any one group of individuals within a, a, any area looks back objectively, accurately, at the makeup and development of their community, they will see that they themselves have perhaps emerged from a different area, whether that goes back one year or a hundred years or 10 or 20,000 years, everybody is a migrant somewhere. I know some people say, oh yeah, 20,000 years, what kind of a time scale are you talking about? However, the principle remains the case that culture is developmental. No one culture at any point in time will ever experience its final status. It will never remain in a certain state. It will always change in one way, to, sometimes perhaps in a more progressive manner, sometimes in a more conservative manner. However, it will always change, it will always evolve. If we consider, on the other hand, people who arrive from other cultures, other areas or even other countries, um, how do they feel with regards to their own culture? There's a similar phenomenon that develops. It's inherently more difficult to protect a culture when it moves to a non-native place. Transferring parts of a culture or cultural influences are possible and perhaps easy. But for example, if I come from uh, the Middle East and I arrive in a Western democratic uh, culture or city um, and there I influence or I experience pop culture. Um, however, I used to play music, let's say, when I was five years old and I have a certain kind of wind instrument. I could quite effectively fuse the two together uh, because I have become skilled, shall we say, in the new locality. I am proficient in my own ethnic school of music, and so the two come together. Therefore, it has developed. I have transferred a certain part of my culture, and I have fused the two. And we've seen this throughout, um, especially in music, but throughout the cultural development um, of Europe. It happens all the time. However, transferring an entire culture of food, dance, music, belief, language, education, and dress is nigh on impossible. Culture grows not only from specific human groups and tribes, but it is greatly influenced by the historical development and relationship between those groups of humans, the area around them, the climate, fauna and flora, the animals, weather, topography, and so many untransferable elements that we often have forgotten about their very existence. Dress is 
particularly one of these things that we don't even think about because perhaps our communities have done this for hundreds and hundreds of years. But why do our communities wear a certain kind of clothing which is made of a certain kind of material? Is it perhaps because there are animals which grow within that vicinity which are indigenous to that area? And therefore, um, we have found through experience that wearing perhaps the skin of these beasts or perhaps even some other kind of naturally producing um, uh, material which is not made of livestock but of some other kind of plant um, that we have experienced through the development of our communities that this is the most effective form of material or garment for taking care of us for a certain part of the year this becomes naturally a part of the culture designs perhaps change because we see different um, fusions, different ideas as, as generations change and sometimes it is for the better, sometimes it's for the worse. We take a step back, we take a step uh, forwards. You know, everything is uh, transient in this case. It's developmental through experience, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. That is just how it works. So, when a family moves from one place to another, they do tend to stand quite a great risk of losing their culture. Perhaps less so than the community to which they move to live among. Why? Because automatically they have lost some connection with the land they have left behind. The land which inspired so much of that culture. It's very easy to forget this. An example is my own ethnic culture. So I'm British, also now German, but of Armenian ethnic origin. I was born in London and feel very much native to my city of birth. Even though I have Armenian ethnic origin, I speak, read and write Armenian. I am very much familiar with Armenian culture, um, history, um, uh, literature and so on. I don't necessarily feel native to Armenia whenever I visited there and I feel no compunction to return there either. Um, yeah, I live in Berlin. I'm extremely at home in Berlin. So um, these are the some of the diverse elements that make up the character that is me. Now, I understand the effort of the Armenian community in London, but also any community of uh, diasporan um, ethnic groups anywhere in the world. They are made up of various elements, political, cultural, sporting groups, clubs, organizations and teams that either come together or remain apart in order to fulfill a certain goal or purpose. Again, these are things which change from time to time, generation to generation, depending upon the makeup of that particular community at a certain time. In many cases, one of their biggest challenges is to ensure the continuation and use of their language and culture. And herein lies one of the main problems that they face. If we're talking about London, for a child born to non-British families, to learn of and understand the culture of their ethnicity means to do a certain amount of work on top of what they would have to do normally if they go through the educational process as everybody else around them does. Not only do they have to learn what they learn in their state schools, but they also have to learn an additional language out of their ethnicity, their culture. They have to attend certain 
schools or classes in addition to their normal school routine. They will automatically then interact socially with more than one group of friends. Sometimes these groups of friends cannot mix. There is no need for them to mix. Uh, and what we find then is that people essentially end up living two completely different lives, and they do so with two completely different personas. Now, it's also plausible that more than two personas come to the fore readily, because perhaps sometimes a person at home is different to the person that exists at school, to the person who exists socially with school friends, or with a sporting uh, group or team, um, or with the other communities groups and schools and so on. So, I mean, how many different personas can perhaps be attributable to an individual? As they grow, how much do they change? So therefore, the more that we think about this, the confusion of identity tends to grow deeper and deeper. We end up asking ourselves a question, who am I? Where do I belong? Which persona is the real me? We haven't even begun to discuss sexuality, gender, or other identity markers that help to create the person we are within, let alone the personality that we show the world. I'm going to cut this podcast in half, because I want you to finish it. Or perhaps not. That's up to you. I don't want to draw any conclusions. I don't want to any further influence anybody's opinions of the levels of interaction that may occur between people of different ethnic origins. I'll pose a question. When you decide to interact with someone for the first time, or to not interact, how do you think their perception of the event will be? Thank you for listening.